I titled my message, Lost, Found, and Rejoicing. So we're going to be speaking, I'm going to be talking about three parables today of something that was lost and then it was found. And when it was found, they rejoiced, right? Have you ever lost something valuable that, you know, once you found it, you were very glad and you rejoiced? I mean, have you ever lost your child while he's out shopping? (laughs) You know, (laughs) when you found him, you were excited, right? Or maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. Hopefully he was. Okay. Lost, found, and rejoicing. Luke chapter 15, and it's kind of a a long reading. It's 24 verses. I was only going to use the parable of the prodigal son, but I've seen how important it is that I use the first two parables also because they build for the, the, the entire package, if you will. All right, hear the word of the Lord. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, Now we know a parable is a likeness of something that is actually true, something that is factual. So Jesus would tell parables to explain what the kingdom of God was like or something like that. So he said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. He rejoices because he found that which was lost. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my, lost, found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Amen to that, right? Amen. Amen to that. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want to pause for a moment. You know, I spoke of losing your kids shopping. Last year when we was at the beach, we were sitting down there one day, and there was a young boy, I would say he was between the age of three and four at the most. And here he comes running up the beach, and we're sitting there, we see him, and there was another woman behind him, which was not his mom, and he's running up there, he's crying, he's lost. He's lost his mom. He somehow got turned around, and he's running up the beach, and he's lost. Well, I go to a lifeguard, but Sharon, she goes over and scoops him right up. No, it was Sharon. Bernie Sharon's when we was in Emerald Isle. No, no, it was it. It was the neighbors. All right, it was the neighbors. Anyway, so whoever scoops him up, and they're heading back down because they think, okay, mom's probably going to come looking. Well, you better believe that mom rejoiced when she found that lost son, right? Amen. We rejoice when we find that one is lost. Then he said, verse 11, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, 
there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat, or bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put on him. Bring out, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They began to rejoice. Because something that was lost was found. And then there is rejoicing. Amen? Amen. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank You and praise You. We thank You that You are searching for that one that is lost. Father, we thank You that it is Your desire that all would come to You, that would repent and come to You. And Father, that You are willing to receive us. We thank You for Your holy word, Father, that reveals Your amazing love to us. And Father, I just pray that Your anointing would be in this place today, that Your anointing would be upon every word that it was spoken, that is spoken, Father, that it would go forth with power, with your power, Father. And Father, that it would bring those in that need to repent and come to you. Father, I just pray that your spirit would just comfort us, guide us, encourage us, and be with us today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, this is probably one of the best known and most beloved chapters in the entire Bible. Amen. There's no denying that the parable of the prodigal son is probably used over and over and over and over again in the Christian church. Because it is one of the best examples of a wayward person, a wayward son or a daughter, finding their way back to God's family. Because it reveals the need of repentance. It's revealed the need that it shows that God's love is so amazing that He is always there waiting. You know, all three parables bring out the joy of God the joy in heaven whenever one lost sinner is found. You know, the first two parables show a person going and actively seeking, seeking that which is lost, looking for it. The shepherd leaves his flock, goes into the wilderness looking for that one sheep that is lost. The woman searches the entire house and looks for that valuable coin that she has lost. So God is not passively sitting there waiting for someone to come to Him. He is seeking the lost. Amen? He is looking for those that need Him. He's diligently looking. He's using the church. He's using His Spirit, His angels, whatever resources available, God is using to seek those that are lost, that need saved. Our passage today began with a statement. 
that the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him. You know, we can see throughout the entire Gospels, all four Gospels, that Jesus attracted the kind of people that most people would consider undesirables, right? Undesirables. Tax collectors, lepers, sinners, all kinds of evil, wicked people. They just were kind of naturally drawn to Jesus, right? Most people didn't want to interact with them, but not Jesus. He didn't hesitate to interact with those kind of people. Now on the other hand, the scribes and the Pharisees, what did the Scripture say? They complained because He did. They complained because He interacted with them. They weren't going to interact with them. They thought they were too good. But Luke 19.10, I'm getting way ahead of myself, right? That's down the road. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. That's the purpose for which He came. So why would He not interact with them? My friends, if we're out places that some people think we shouldn't be, well, hopefully we're there trying to save the lost. Our Christian life shouldn't be just going to church. It should be going out seeking those that are lost. Wherever the Holy Spirit leads us. Amen? Why did they have that you know, tendency to come to Jesus? Why did the undesirables come to Jesus? Because He genuinely cared for them. Amen. He, they, he genuinely cared for them. He had compassion on them. He loved them. That's why they were drawn to Him. Are they drawn to us because they see the love of Christ in us? I hope so. You know, a person that is well does not need a physician, right? That's right? But it's he who is sick. Jesus knew that they were sick in their sins. They needed Him. Friends, we need Him. Each parable explains why He came. Why Jesus came. The lost sheep. You know, sheep, 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 sheep truly are very incapable creatures, aren't they? You know, they so easily would go off and go astray. A shepherd has to continually keep them together because they have that tendency to wander off. A sheep will wander off from the flock. All the while, they're going away from the flock. They're bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and trying to find the flock. They don't have enough sense to turn around and go back the way from which they came. They're just, they're dumb. They are dumb. This is... State the facts, right? They're unable to find their way back and they won't find their way back. They're going to wander off and fall off a cliff or into a pit if the shepherd does not come and look for them. They are totally incapable. Maybe that's why sheep are often used to describe man. Because we are so often or we have a tendency to go astray, right? 1 Peter 2.25 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Friends, we were like sheep at one time, going astray, lost our way, but Jesus is calling, right? Oh, sinner, come home, right? What a wonderful song. You know, we know that a parable is a fictional story, but I know that it reveals an actual truth. 
The fact that the shepherd would leave 99 sheep. Now, those sheep were safe. He was not going to leave them in harm's way. But they were safe. But the fact that he would leave 99 sheep and go look for that one tells me that each and every sheep is very important, is very significant to the shepherd, very significant to the Lord, each one. He does not want to lose even one. Jesus said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus, I truly believe with all of my heart, would have came to this earth, would have left his throne in glory, and came to this earth to die for one. I believe that with all of my heart. I, I believe that each and every one of us can take this story of the lost sheep, take this statement that Jesus gave His life for the sheep, one, I think we can each one take it personally. Amen. Go home, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say that Jesus died for me. Amen. Jesus died for Ronnie. Jesus died for Gary. Jesus died for Shirley. I won't go through everybody. But personally, look in the mirror and realize Jesus died for me. How humbling is that? Very humbling indeed. Because He would have died. He went looking for that one sheep. He is the Good Shepherd. Because each and every soul on the face of this earth is extremely important to Him. Extremely important to Him. That is why He died. Jesus is calling. O sinner, come home. If someone's listening today and you used to be a follower of Christ and somehow you've went the wayward path, know that Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to come home. He's searching for you. If you've never believed on Jesus Christ, friends, He's calling you. Come to Me. Come to Me and find forgiveness for your sins. The woman had ten coins and loses one. Back in those days, whenever a Jewish girl or young woman, I should say, would get married, she would wear a headband. This headband was given to her and it would have ten silver coins in it. So it was very important to that young bride to wear that headband. It was a way of signifying that I am now married. I am spoken for. Today, we wear wedding rings. I can start wearing mine in about six weeks. I won't work in the railroad longer. So we wear rings to signify we're married. Back then, they would wear that headband. So it was not just the value of the coin, but it was a sentimental value that was so important to that woman that lost that coin. She would light the lamp, and she would search that house and search that house and search that house diligently until she found it. You know, their homes back in those days were not like ours. We'll walk into a home, we're going to flip a light switch on, and we can make it bright as day in there. I know the one section of our home, I can flip 12 with two light switches, 12 spotlights, it's going to, I mean, it's bright in there. Well, they didn't have that luxury back then because they didn't have Potomac Edison to provide electric for them. So they had oil lamps, so their homes were kind of dark, so she'd have to light that lamp and search all through the house, search under the bed, search under the table, search behind the couch or whatever furniture she might have had. Sweep the house clean. 
to try to find that valuable coin. To try to find it. But it shows the significance, the value. That's what the coin shows. You are valuable to Him. Valuable. Don't belittle yourselves. You are valuable to God. More valuable than silver or gold, your soul is valuable to God. So the first parable, we have a hundred sheep and one is lost. Secondly, we have the ten coins and one is lost. Then we have the father that has two sons and one is lost. The parable of the prodigal son. You know, in this parable we can read and you you can just kind of envision what's going on here. We have a son that is unhappy. He's He's not happy being... In his father's kingdom, if you will. His father's home or his father's estate. Whatever you want to call it. He's not happy being there. While he's there, he has, he's well cared for. He has plenty to eat. He's well clothed. But there's those livestock to take care of. Ah, he doesn't like doing that. And there's the gardening that needs tended to. Ah, that's just so annoying. I, he gets tired of that. He gets tired of the old humdrum. He gets... He's probably having to shelter in place. (laughs) He's tired of being cooped up at home. He doesn't like being under his father's authority. Let's just put it that way. He is looking for and longing for more. He is uncontent. He wants more. He is unsatisfied. So you know, let's think about this in modern day terms. He's living on that little old farm in West Virginia, but he's longing for Las Vegas. Seriously. I mean, that's a good analogy. He's thinking, well, there's, oh, man, I've seen on TV some of those women out there and that gambling and fun and excitement. He's longing for that. That's what that son is longing for. So that's where he goes. He takes what his father gave him and he goes. He asks for his inheritance before his father's death. That's very unusual, but goes to the dad. Hey, dad, give me what I got coming to me now. But his father gives it to him. He gives it to him. He spends it in prodigal living. Prodigal means wasteful. That's just what it means. Simply, prodigal living is wasteful living. Wasteful living. He was living it up, having a great time until the money ran out. You know, we can go all the way back to creation. Man was created in God's image with the intent that he would dwell with God, right? Amen. The intent was that Adam and Eve and their children would dwell with God. He would, they would commune with God, talk with God, walk in the garden, tend the garden, take care of the livestock, and have that relationship with God. That was the purpose for creating man, that God would dwell with them. But God gave man the free will, right? And we know what happened. Man disobeyed and became lost. So basically, the same thing happens in this parable. You know, Adam and Eve, they wanted what they weren't supposed to have. Right? They longed for that forbidden fruit. And they ate of it. The son longed for that life that he thought he wanted. He thought that he needed. So he, because of his free will, chose to go. His intended purpose was to stay with the father. But because of free will, the father let him go. He let him go and waste that life. The father didn't condemn him. He didn't 
chastised him. He gave him what he had coming and let him go, didn't he? Let him go. But we know what happened after he was there for quite some time. The famine came. He began to be in want. Starving. Long for the pods that he was feeding the swine, but no one gave him any. My friends, a life not lived following its intended purpose is a wasteful life. If you are not doing what God has intended you to do, you are wasting your life. It's true. Are you wasting your life or, or, or are you doing what God has intended you to do? The wise father knew it was no good to hold the son there and make him stay against his will, right? Because if his heart wasn't true, he's better off to let him go. Right? Why make him be there? It goes back to the Billy Graham only giving the $5. Because his heart... He gave the 20 but his heart wanted to give the 5 So why make the son stay if his heart really doesn't want to, right? The father let him go. Unlike the shepherd and unlike the woman, the father does not go out searching for the son. We know that the father in his story represents God. Doesn't it? The father represents God, the son or the lost children, those that's left. The father may not have went looking, but who do you think caused the famine? The father. Right? The father can cause the famine. The father can cause the famine which causes the son to be in want, which causes the son to see his situation, see the need to repent, and know where to go. My friends, look at our situation today. This is another whole, path, another whole sermon, right? Maybe what's happening today is to cause people to look to God. Amen. As I said, that's going to be another sermon. But the father didn't have to go looking. He can cause a famine to cause the son to know where to come back and come back to himself. When the son came to himself, when he seen his situation, realized his desperate situation, realized his lostness, he said to himself, I will go to my father. I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am not worthy to be called your son. He was truly repentant. Amen. He said, I am not worthy to be called your son. The father may not have went looking for him, but he was watching for him. Amen. He was watching for that son. I envision him watching for that son every day. Every day. Now, I didn't read the passage of the beyond verse 24, but I'm going to get, hit some of it. The other brother, he wasn't out there with the father watching. He didn't care about his younger brother. But the father's out there watching every day, watching for that son to return. I can imagine the older brother probably said to the father, why are you wasting your time looking for that waste of a son? Why are you wasting your time? He's no good. He's went out and blown all that you gave him. He's a waste. But the father had compassion. When he saw that son a long ways off, he ran to him. My friends, in those days, it was not what a Hebrew man did, was run. They did not run. They didn't run. That's something they did not do. But he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him on the neck, loved him, had compassion on him. How significant. 
How significant that the Father allowed the Son to express His repentance, saying that I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you, not worthy to be called your Son. Remember what else the Son intended to say? Let me be like one of your hired servants. Just let me be like one of your servants. I'm starving to death. That's all I want. That's all I ask. The Father didn't allow Him to say it, did He? He cut Him off. He allowed Him to repent. But He didn't allow Him to say, let me be like one of your servants. John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have from my Father, I have made known to you. My friends, Jesus calls us friends. He calls us, the Father calls us sons and daughters. He wasn't going to make Him a servant. The Father is overjoyed because His Son who was dead is now alive again. It's time to celebrate. He was lost. He was found. Now let's rejoice. Amen? Let's celebrate. The Father says, bring out a robe and put it on His Son. Why? Because the Father brings out that robe. It's the robe of righteousness. He brings that robe of righteousness out and clothes His Son. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. My friends, that robe is significant. That is the robe of right. He repented, and now he's receiving that robe of righteousness. When we believe on Jesus Christ and repent of our sins, we are clothed with that righteousness of Christ. We were lost, but we have been found. And there's rejoicing in heaven when we are found. Amen? Amen. The Father then puts a ring on his finger. Puts a ring. What does the ring signify? Authority. It signifies authority. The king will wear a ring, and that ring is a, sig- a symbol of authority, right? He was not a servant. He was completely restored. You know, I was going to say completely restored to his former state. He was restored to a better state. Amen. Amen. A better state. My friends, we aren't restored to what we once was, but we are restored to a better state because we are sons and daughters of the living God. We have the authority. We have the authority that Jesus Christ gives us. In Luke 10, 18 and 19, And He said to them, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Are we walking in the authority that He has given us? We ought to be. Nothing can hurt us. We have power over the enemy on this earth. We know that there's an enemy there. Let's walk in the power that He has given us. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Good news. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me find it here. 
Verse 25, chapter 15. It's not going to be up there because I'm just going to add it. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fattened calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fattened calf? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. The older brother, he was bitter. He was bitter. You know, remember the story of Jonah? God called Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh the message of repentance. He didn't want to go. He ran. Of course, we know that that, he wound up in the belly of a whale or a large fish. Then that whale spit him out three days later. So he goes to Nineveh and he preaches that message of repentance. And then he goes up on the hill and he's sitting there under that nice shade that God provided. He's just waiting for God's wrath to come down and destroy Nineveh. That's what he's hoping for in his heart. But God doesn't do that. My friends, that's the picture of the older brother here. He's angry. He's angry that that son has returned. His brother has returned. I've been with you all these years. I have never transgressed. I've not sinned against you, Father. I've been faithful. I've tended the garden. I've watched the livestock. But what have you done for me? Now you let this scoundrel back in. That's basically what he's saying. He's harboring that bitterness in his heart. My friends, the older brother needed to repent as much as the younger brother because his heart was not right. So who does this older brother represent in our story today? The Pharisees and the scribes. That's what this whole passage is about. They are angry, they are bitter, they're resentful because he's receiving those terrible, despicable people, those sinners, tax collectors and sinners. He, he eats with them. He talks with them. He teaches them. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible thing, but that's what he came to do. They are upset. They're like the brother. That's who the brother represents as the Pharisees and the scribes. Unwilling to forgive those despicable sinners. Jesus is showing them that they need to repent. Friends, if we harbor guilt and bitterness in our hearts towards a brother, we need to repent. Praise the Lord that there is a joyous celebration in heaven every single time a sinner repents. Amen. To return to that place which, which we rightly belong in relationship with Him as forgiven. forgiven. Jesus Christ came to this earth to show us exactly what God is like. That's what Luke 15 shares with us today. It shares the beautiful portrait of God's character. His character to go and search for that lost sheep that He cares that much for. It. Shows us the value in that lost coin. 
and shows us the value and the desire for restoration. To go from ruin to being restored. Because that son was ruined. But he was restored when he came back to the Father. Friends, that is God's love. That is His character. To seek and save that which was lost. To receive back that which has went astray. Come to Him. That's the message. Come to Him and receive Him. Receive Him into your heart because He's there with open arms to receive you. Because He loves you and He cares for you. And what did He say? Jesus died for you. Each one of you He died for. Amen? Amen.